The following is a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 25. So the the, the topic and the direction that we're going in for this week and for the next couple of weeks, um, it relates to conflict and reconciliation. And so we're going to read this passage, let this passage sit with you, um, and then we're going to get into uh, the exciting conversation of conflict. <laughs> uh, uh, let's read together. Uh, verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. And then skipping down. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others, building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, uh, in, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. Let's pray. Father... Uh, we are approaching a fantastic topic, an important one, a global one. And we ask that you give us a spirit of grace, your spirit of wisdom, and your spirit of courage. That all of these things could come together so that we could walk rightly with you and with each other. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to be able to receive what you have for us. Lord, I ask for my own sake that you would help continue to instruct and guide me in what it means for me to walk in healthy conflict and conflict transformation. Because, Lord, we know that through that process, you do wonderful things. In your name, amen. When you were a kid, did you ever get into the most ridiculous arguments with your siblings? Um, I, I know that I did. I know that it was pretty normal for me to do that. Um, and it was over the silliest little things. Like, this is an example. Um, your, your playful conversation as to whether Sonic the Hedgehog or Mario, which one was better, and you slowly, like, get into this conversation. Next thing you know, it really matters. Like, for some ridiculous reason, this is, like, a critical moment of crisis that something has to be proven. Um, or... You know, if you're a Star Wars fan and then you get into a conversation with someone who's a Star Trek fan 
you're, you're understanding this. There's, there could be some conflict there. Or even more conflict, if you're a Star Wars and a Star Trek fan versus all those other people that don't care at all, come on. The world needs to care about Star Wars and Star Trek. Anyways, you know which side of the camp I would stand on. Um, not a single day goes by without, some, uh, without us encountering or producing some kind of conflict. It's all around us. It's part of the human experience. We just heard um, that there's new conflict and new, new uh, struggles in Cameroon. It's part of the human experience everywhere. School, playground, office, the hockey rink, churches. Um, and so today uh, begins a short sermon series on the topic of conflict and reconciliation. Um, and now this is important. I'm, when I talk about conflict and when we talk about conflict, we're not going to be talking about like internal conflict, like the battle of like right and wrong inside of us or the conflict on like a uh, kind of the large scale global issues that are going on or it's really focusing in on uh, the conflict between people. When we find ourselves in conflict and what do we do with that? How do we process that? How do we think about that? Um, so that's the direction. That's kind of the focus that we're going to take uh, when we look at conflict. I'm, I'm hearing a bit of air. Is that me? Not, don't worry about it. We'll continue on. It's fine. Just want to... Um, and so, uh, when we see Ephesians 4.15, for example, and we hear, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head, the Christ. Ultimately, um, as difficult as this process is to, for us to even talk about conflict, the, the end result is that we become more like Christ. For us to be able to walk through that. So what is our end goal in all of this? To become a community who has the grace, a community that has the wisdom and the courage to allow conflict to become transformative. For it to actually um, be a place where we celebrate difference at the same time being in unity. To be able to voice our opinions, our convictions, and our feelings while still honoring the other. That's, that's the challenge before us, and that's the gift before us. That if we can learn to navigate this journey well, God is able to do wonderful and powerful things in our community. I, I truly believe that. Um, but it's more than just us listening to a sermon about it. Um, we have to participate in it. Now, we are going to invite you to consider taking that little homework sheet with you um, that was inside your bulletin and taking it home and actually reading it. And yes, if you get bored while I'm talking, feel free to do it while I'm preaching. Uh, I can't stop you if you choose to do that. Um, but I would encourage you to take that with you because all of what we're going to do is going to take small possible steps together as a community towards conflict transformation. And we can't do this if you don't participate. right? We're not going to be able to, as a community, work towards um, reconciliation in the deepest sense if we're not willing to put ourselves into this project. Does that make sense? So I just, I hope that there's buy-in. I hope that you're sitting here thinking, you know what? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a part of this. I'm going to choose 
to, along with my brothers and sisters in the, in the Lord here, work on this topic. Um, so through this series, I'm going to invite you in their, their embarrassment-free reflections and, and homework. So we're not gonna, I'm not going to make you stand up and announce something on the spot, so you don't have to worry about anything like that. Um, but really, it will be a part of Renfrew's revival um, if we can honor the journey of what, what is conflict and how do we, how do we deal with it. Um, so this has been a topic that's dear to me. Um, I've just seen too many communities uh, torn apart and hurt because we didn't know how to work through it. We didn't know how to um, interact with one another. Um, and it all really starts with how we define and how we think about conflict. So when we hear the word conflict, a lot of us have certain images or experiences that shape the way we think about conflict. Um, so it's because of our own definition of conflict will often determine how we approach it, how we deal with it, and then especially how we treat other people. Uh, in your sermon notes, so not in the homework, which is the slip of paper, um, in the sermon notes, there, you'll notice those first two questions. If, I just want you to look down and read over this question, and I'll read it out for us. And just take a minute to start to answer this question to yourself. Um, ask yourself this morning, what am I avoiding saying or doing for all the wrong reasons? Now, if that's a little bit confusing, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, if you aren't sure how to answer that question, um, think about it like this. What excuses have I been making because I don't want to experience conflict? So what's, what's the list? What are, what are all the reasons that I come up with so that I can stay away from conflict? All right? So maybe there's one word jumps out at you or one situation, maybe even one person. All of a sudden, you've got this picture of a person. You're like, ooh, you can even write down their name or not because they might be sitting right beside you. Um, <laughs> um, now, as you think about that, so that's on one end of the scale, right? That's on the far spectrum of... Ah, conflict avoidance, don't go there. I don't want to even think about it. I'm going to do everything I can to keep the peace. And then you have on the other side, that next question, which kind of gets us thinking on the other end is, what have I brashly said or done for all the wrong reasons? What have I been willing to do in the name of winning an argument? So those two questions can kind of just help get us thinking and reflecting about, about the conversation of conflict. You don't have to go too deep with that right now, but just sit there with that. This ter the sermon is titled Unmasking Conflict. And so what, our, what my objective is today, what our, our first step is, is defining it a little bit different and taking the mask off of it so that we can actually talk about it freely, where we don't have to be worried about it, where it can just be a normal part of the human experience, and we're part of it, so that we can begin to address some of the deeper things, uh, which is ultimately our behavior and our actions inside of conflict. Um, and so where do we start with this? We're going to start at the very beginning, like the very beginning, the creation story. Um, the creation story is this beautiful picture, and it launches so much of our theology, God's creation, and what does it mean? Um, and we're going to start there, and we're going to explore what the creation story can actually tell us about our, a theology of conflict. 
and what conflict can actually mean. Um, unfortunately, I can't go into like a lot of depth um, in it, so I'm, I'm going to be scratching the surface. But let's just think about it this way. In the beginning, God created light and he created dark. In the beginning, God created water and earth. He created plants. He created humanity. And it was this unique and beautiful, splendid thing that God created. And in this story, we can already start to see some interesting things. Because um, when we want to ask the question, what does it take to create? Now, when we think about God creating, we know that like, he can create in an instant, right? That everything can happen all in one instantaneous moment with God. Um, but if you still unpack the creative process, even with God, there are, there are certain stages that take place. First, the very first thing is, he would need to decide that he even wanted to do this. Right? Before he created it, before he creates, before he speaks, before anything, he as himself has the idea, has the vision and the plan of creation. Like before we were ever made, he knew us and saw us and he, he created us with intention. And that comes from an idea. He has an idea of the right and the good and the beautiful. And so it starts with an idea. And then there's the desire or the conviction, the passion to actually want to do something. To, to put energy into it, to actually uh, begin to respond to it. And then there's the action itself. And for God, this happens in an instant. But when we think about our own lives, the same process goes through. And you'll see how this begins to connect. Part of you are like, what does this have to do with conflict? Well, uh, we'll, we'll piece it together and you'll, you'll see. Um, we also have the ability, as created people, um, in the image of God, we have the ability to think, to reflect, to feel, to care, and then to act. So we are able to be a part of that same kind of creative process. Obviously not from nothing. We can only create, create from things that already exist. But that's a part of who we are as humans, to be able to create. Now, when God created, um, there's an author by the name of John Paul Laderach, and he is a fantastic author, and I wish I brought the book with me so I could wave it up in the air. If you're interested in, rec in the in the the conversation of reconciliation and global reconciliation. He was a man that worked with the UN solving international conflicts um, and is a fantastic uh, man of God who has been reflecting on the, the issues of reconciliation for a long time. And he has this reflection about the creation story. Um, he calls them that there are three creation commitments that we see inside of the creation story. Um, now, these characteristics and qualities are built into the fabric of the creation account. And so they will inform how we think of conflict. So the very first one is, and you'll see this in your notes, God is present within each of us. Um, oh, did I skip ahead? Did you get a chance to fill in that first one? Uh, yeah, that's me skipping my notes. Conflict is rooted in the creation story. For those of you that are like, I have to fill things out. I'm not that type of person. Um, but there it is. Conflict is rooted in the creation story. So, right, point one, God is present within each of us. And we see this in the creation story. Um, we have the image of God. When God made everything 
And then he works his way towards humanity. He breathes his breath in us. And he says, let us make mankind in our image. We are in the image of God. And because of that, that makes us unique to the rest of creation in so many ways. And one of those ways is that we, when we look at someone else, we have to see that there is, there is a piece of God. I, I, I don't want to have that be misunderstood. But there's a piece of God in you. And I have to respect that. I can't just see you as just some person that doesn't reflect the image of God. And so we are called in the creation story itself to respect the humanity of every person. Um, in Genesis 33, verse 10... Um, there's this fantastic story of Jacob and Esau, a, like a huge first kind of conflict that we see in uh, the biblical narrative. And in that, he says these things. When he and his brother finally meet up and they look each other in the, in the face and they reconcile with one another, uh, I love this line. Jacob says this, to see your face is like seeing the face of God pretty cool for us to see that is part of what it means for us to have the image of God. I carry the image of God whether I like it or not and because of it we're called to see each other with that kind of respect. Um, The second uh, creation commitment is God values diversity. Um, He created them male and female Now, you might be thinking, oh, yes, that's where all of the conflict begins, is in males and females. Um, And yes, and no. Um, That's not really what I'm getting at. What I'm more kind of speaking to is God made every kind of creature. Um, He created land and he created earth. He created difference. He created uniqueness. He created diversity. It's built into what it means for us to be human. I will never be you and you will never be me. I will have my own thoughts. You will have your own thoughts. And because of that, there is diversity and God made it that way and calls it beautiful and calls it good. So when God made Adam and God made Eve, it was naturally a part of their experience to have their own ideas, to have diversity, to think one thing might be a little bit more beautiful than the other thing. I can just picture them naming the animals. How would that have worked out? You know what? This would be a great name. And then there's the response. That is a wonderful name. But I also really love this name. Interesting. How did you come up with that idea? I don't know. Like, there was there... Or we wouldn't be human. Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. There are billions of us. And we are all unique. Third point, God gives us God-like freedom. We are free people. We have choice. We have agency. When we look into this original story, we have the tree and we have the option given to us whether or not to be obedient to God and stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil or to choose to reject that invitation that God has given us and go our own way. Before there was sin, there was the choice. Before there was brokenness, there was the opportunity to pick a path. And in that freedom, that makes us human. 
That makes us unique. That makes us special. And when we put all of this together, when we put all of these kind of three key creation commitments that God made us in his image, that God has made us with diversity, difference, difference of ideas, but then God has also given us freedom to choose. And when we think of it, all of that seems self-evident. It's like, yeah, okay, I can see that in the biblical account, in the creation story. What does that have to do with conflict? Alone, these are self-evident, but when you put them together, when you honor all three, things start to emerge that are quite interesting. Um, if you think about um, an ant colony, uh, and you take an ant colony, and then you take, say, a colony of humans, what would be the things that we have in common with an ant colony? So I'm looking for some actual answers. This isn't rhetorical. So what, what, what might we have in common with ants and an ant colony? Any thoughts? Pardon? There's a whole bunch of us. There's a, there's a queen? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like that. I was just going to be like, who's willing to offer themselves up as being the queen? Yeah. What are some other, some other things that we might have in common with an ant colony? Yeah, we've all, like, we have these jobs to do, specific tasks to accomplish kind of what it means for us to be Christian, what it, for it means for us to be ants. Um, what, are we, what, are, what are some of the differences? Apart from the obvious. <laughs> we don't live, I hope we don't live in like dirt holes. Um, but what are some of the differences? Ants just do. And that makes them actually really great workers. But yeah, they do it without thought, without personality. But man, stuff gets done. Like, when I, like, like mess with an anthill, they rebuild that thing so fast, and they, like, capture their young and defend themselves perfectly in harmony and efficiency. Like, it's really good. They are great at their job. And sometimes I look at us humans, and I'm like, we should be a little bit more like the ants. Like, they, they, they know how to get the job done. But then we have us on our side um, being a little bit different. And yeah, that's one of the key differences, I think, is that we could be like, one day I could wake up and say, you know what, I don't want to be the queen anymore. Um, I'm going to be something different. I appreciate that some of you thought that was funny. <laughs> I was hoping that it would be a little funny, because obviously I do want to be the queen. I don't want to change that. Um, and so we have this choice. We are not ants. But here's the thing. Ants in their own colony, they don't really fight a lot. There's, there's a lot of peace. Now, of course, if there's like an outside threat, wow, they go to work. But there's, not, there's no conflict. Um, now, I'm pushing the illustration, but I just want us to be able to reflect on that and think about that a little bit. Um, if you were given a task, and, oh, wow, Okay, I'm just looking at the clock. It's okay. Don't look at the clock. This is great stuff. We're having fun. Um, so one of the things, if you had the option of building a factory and you had all the resources and everything at your disposal and it wanted, you wanted to be perfect, I would bet that most of you would want to create a factory that's full of robots that are very efficient, um, that there isn't any dissension, 
that like things just happen really quickly. You don't have like the person in the assembly line being like hitting the stop button and being like, um, excuse me, I don't know who's in charge, but I think we can build this a better way as like items are piling up and things are falling over and there's like all of these issues. No, the perfect uh, faculty, uh, the perfect factory is that things move smooth, no conflict. But we get, start to get a sense that in that, there's no freedom. There's no choice. There's no imagination. There's no creativity. Um, we, have, we have these, we have this, um, there's these books. Uh, there's people that used to imagine, what would a utopian world look like? And then they, they, they took the one step of saying, if we could create a world that had perfect peace, perfect harmony, no conflict, what would it look like? And most of those authors came up with these terrible places. Their conclusion, like um, uh, Oswald's, or not Oswald's, yeah, Oswald's 1984, or Huxley's, like, A Brave New World, these reflections, they came to a conclusion that we come to, which is when you remove options, when you fight to get rid of conflict, you end up not even being human. Because you shut down the opportunity to be an individual, to be free, to have your own thoughts, to offer your own suggestions. So the fight for peace in the wrong way looks nothing like what God created at the very beginning. And so why do I say all of this and why, do I try to, why am I trying to kind of unpack this? I want to unmask some of the myths that we have around what conflict even is. Conflict is not a sin. I grew up thinking that conflict was a sin. And there are some of you right now, I guarantee it, and that's okay, that are saying, nah, I disagree, Trent. That's, no. I don't know where you're going with this, but time out. And just, just work with me on this one. Um, conflict is not a sin. But sin may enter, and always seems to enter, into the situation, depending on how we approach the conflict, how we deal with it, and especially how we treat one another. Jesus himself got into a lot of strong altercations with people. We would call it conflict where there was direct conflict with an, with an opposing force, and even times when he completely disagreed with the behavior happening at the temple, where he's flipping tables and he makes himself a whip. Like, the, come on, that's like, that seems outside of the realm of okay. But we all will agree, Jesus is without sin. And yet he seems to be acting in a kind of confrontational, conflict-type place, where there's a disagreement. So the challenge is, is that when we see that because we are created in the image of God with ideas, dreams, and desires, because we are created unique as, and, and diverse, and we are free, even before the fall, there will always be, I think this, you think this, we don't think the same thing. What do we do about this? We're in conflict but that conflict right there, that's not sin. That's just the human condition. And for most of my own life, I felt that tension 
and I thought that that was sin. And so I would run away from it. I would find a way to just say, you know what, you're right, and then secretly disagree and then go my own way or something like that. That behavior, you know, my falsehood, my not speaking truth, that's where the sin creeps in because I'm not willing to be honest. Or on the opposite side saying, you know what, Mm-mm. I know that you have some great ideas, but I, I don't really see you as human right now. I just see you as an argument to be one. So I'm going to tell you what you need to think. And in those moments, in that moment, that's when conflict fractures and becomes unhealthy conflict. So our journey, and I'll, I'll close with this, our journey is not to avoid conflict, but for us to allow conflict to be transformed so that when we encounter it, it can be transformative and it can actually create beauty. Like the, the best things in this world came from tension. We have this problem. We have these solutions. How do we figure it out? We work together. We find a way. We disagree until we come to an understanding. And in that understanding, beautiful things can happen. But we're never going to get there if we continually think that just the idea of being in conflict is wrong. We have to get past that so that we can actually start talking to one another. I hope this is making sense. It's a challenging topic for us to even wrap our heads around. But what I want us to be able to do moving forward is to take a step towards healthy conflict. And that means that we're not avoiding it. It also means that we're not trying to win the argument just because we want to win. And so this is where we find ourselves. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take small steps forward in what does it mean for us to have healthy, God-honoring conflict, where we're able to be respecters of other people and their ideas and work through it together. This isn't a quick process. Uh, Let's go back to Ephesians briefly. We must put off falsehood um, if we're going to be able to uh, continue on being successful in all of this. Uh, we have to put off falsehood and we have to speak truthfully. And you know what? For those of you that answered that first question of like, all I would love most is to just find a way to avoid conflict, that'll, that's the challenge for us. How do I speak truthfully when I've been hurt or I'm feeling something or I have an idea and I'm afraid to voice it because of what might happen? We have to learn to have the courage and the honesty to actually speak our thoughts. And then on the opposite side, we have to begin to understand that we have to speak truth in love. There's no other way. If you can't pair those things perfectly, then it's a, it's a wash. And it's because we've done, as humans, such a poor job of this for so long that we've defined conflict as bad. Because all we've ever seen is unhealthy conflict. It's very rare for us to see healthy conflict where you and I disagree on something. We see each other as human. We talk it through. We share ideas. And we come up with something better than either of us could have ever imagined on our own. That's the beauty of conflict that's resolved and walked through well, um, is when we're actually able to do that. And I really believe that God is calling us as a community to be able to do that and to be able to um, move beyond the like the stigma of not talking about the challenges that we've been through and the challenges that lay ahead. Uh, I cannot express how important that balance of truth and love is in this journey. Um, you'll notice that we have, you have some homework. Um, I, when I worked on those, t- like when I did them myself, 
and I'll talk about my own reflections on it next week. Um, they're really, it was really good, particularly the spectrum of am I, a one, am I a zero or a one or I'm like a nine or a ten on that scale. Work through that and be honest with yourself about where you land because our goal is for us to slowly work towards the middle where we can talk about conflict with open hands, where we can see each other as humans, and we can be honest with each other and share our feelings. Let me pray. Lord, this is a big topic. Uh, there's so much that can be said. Uh, but Lord, right now, I just ask that uh, as we leave this place, that we would leave with a sense of hope and anticipation that as we unmask conflict, that we start, as we start to talk about it differently, as we start to own our, our role in the journey, that we can start to see the healthy side of conflict. The conflict that existed before the fall of man. The kind of conflict was where it was an exciting exchange of ideas and convictions. And so, Lord, as we go from this place, I ask that you would begin now to bring people to our hearts and minds about um, how we can work towards um, interpersonal conflict transformation, where we can begin to make reconciliation a real part of our Christian journey. We love you so much, and we are so thankful that you're in this, that you're with us. In your name, amen. This has been a presentation of Renfrew Baptist Church, a community of faith that exists to create obedient followers of Jesus Christ who love God and love people.